I'm very sure my anchor holds and drifts a solid rock. This rock is Jesus, yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. I'm very sure, I'm very sure my anchor holds and drifts a solid rock. So glad that we're very sure of the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended, or he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby there lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh in increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding, dar having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Be, <clears throat> but ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Ephesians chapter 4, Brother Gene read for us verses 1 through 24. We've been teaching for several Sunday mornings now on the importance of the Word of God in the Christian life, the Christian walk. And it's so easy for us 
uh, as we get caught up in our everyday life and all the uh, tasks that we find ourselves having to perform just to exist, just to take care of ourselves and our loved ones, it's so easy for us to neglect the most important thing that we have to do or to accomplish, and that is to seek the Lord. Over in Psalms 105, it says, Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. These are instructions, by the way. And then right in the middle of it, it says, Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him. Talk of all his wondrous work. Again, these are instructions for us in our everyday existence in this life. It says the glory in his name. It says in that same group of verses, the glory in his name. Let the heart of them rejoice, it says, that seek the Lord. That's us, isn't it? It is. It then says, seek the Lord and his strength. It says, seek his face evermore. And you see, as we seek him, we are enabled by him to know more about him to follow him more closely because he is drawing us with his strength and his power and he gives us this strength that we need to carry on in him, if you will, or in his word. We heard this morning already that he is the word. He's always been. Again, uh, nothing was created without him. He's eternal son of God. He's a creator. And then he put himself in the position of Savior. And he is a great and mighty Savior. Oh, how important it is that we uh, continue in his word on a regular basis. I therefore, verse 1, Ephesians chapter 4 says, and this is Paul's course writing to the church at Ephesus, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech ye, that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. See, we're called into a vocation or into something to do or into a way to be. It's a vocation. Okay, it's a job. It is a particular type of life that we are to live, a particular way that we are to think about ourselves, our life, and God, our position in Him, our situation without Him and with Him. See, it's something that we have to exercise, isn't it? It is. We're to exercise our faith. How do we do that? By looking for God's face, for seeking Him in His Word. As we do so, again... We are strengthened. Now, Paul's uh, telling the church at Ephesus and us here how to do that. He says, and he calls himself the prisoner of the Lord, and he was exactly what he was. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of this vocation wherewith ye are called. How? With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. A lot of times that's against our natural uh, desires 
of a way to be, isn't it? It is. With all lowness and meekness, with long suffering. Long suffering. With who? With one another. With each other. Showing the love that we have for each other. Which comes from the love of God that's in us. You see, he loved us first. He draws us to himself on a continual basis. Yes, when he saved us, he drew us to himself. The Bible says that he made us alive, that he gave us a new heart, that he quickened us and gave us the Holy Spirit of God. But as we live this spiritual life that he's freely given us by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, he is continually drawing us unto himself. Uh, we know in Romans 8, 29, it's right here, let's take a look. Romans 8, 29 says this. Romans 8, 29 says that for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to, com- to be conformed to the image of his son. So this conforming is something that's happening every day. Every day we're being conformed to be like Him. We heard already uh, in the book of John that He is the Word. So as we look into His Word, we're looking into Him. As we seek His Word, we're seeking Him. As we apply His Word to the way we think and the way we live our life and the way we treat others, we're partaking of Him, aren't we? We're being more and more like Him. We are being conformed to His image. I want us to see this morning that we have a destiny. We have a destination. I recently traveled up to uh, northeast Georgia, I guess it was. I had a destination. I didn't know how to get there. So you know what I did? I had an idea. I knew what part of the country it was in. I knew to get on Interstate 10. But I had to get the map out. And I had to look which way I needed to go to get to my destination. We have a great map right here in the Word of God. And it teaches us the way to go to reach our destination. Oh, that we would go by it and look into it to see... We know where we're going already. It's the in-between here and now and then that we need to be educated on the path to take, don't we? The way to go. And we have the instruction book right here. For whom he did foreknow, and that means he loved you already. He loved you from before the foundation of the world. He's God. That's hard to understand, but it's true. He's always known you. He's always loved you. He's always sustained and maintained you. To be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. All right. So last week, we looked in uh, Colossians chapter 1. We looked at Paul's prayer for the church. And God's word is for us, as well as the letter to Colossae. The church of Colossae was for them. 
It was also for us. We saw that Paul prayed that they would be filled with wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding. And that's exactly what God does in our daily study of Him, in our daily seeking of Him in His Word. He grants us Paul's prayer. He grants us our prayers. This is a a model prayer for us. Oh, that we would be filled with wisdom and understanding. I want us to look today at, and, and we can call this message, our predestined destination. Again, we know where we're going. And we know who wrote the map. The great designer, the great creator of all things. He has written the map. We looked at last week and even the week before, I think, at the fact that this life that we're walking, God the Son has already walked. We looked at the fact that this path, this designated path, that's why I wanted us to see it, it's a designated path now that we are walking. Jesus has already walked it. He already walked an entire life. 33 plus years on this earth and never sinned once. He already walked the perfect life that we, because of His love and the faith we have in Him, desire to walk today. We desire to walk like Him because we're being conformed to be like Him. And one day we will. One day we will reach our destination. And that's a promise from God that cannot change. So in the 13th verse, and we're back now to Ephesians chapter 4, if you will. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12 says, For the perfecting of the saints. One day, we're not going to be dragging around uh, this flesh with us anymore. We are going to be perfect because we're going to be like the Lord. When we see him, that's how we're going to know him, because we're going to be like him. You remember uh, the countenance of a holy creature. It's bright. Remember? Even Moses, in the presence of God, ended up putting a veil over his face because the people were so afraid of him. His face shined. Why? Because he had been in the presence of holiness. The angels that rolled back the stone at the tomb, their countenance was as lightning, bright, see? That's how we're going to be. How are we going to get there? Because God has paid the price for our holy life that He has predestined for us to live. He is a great Savior, y'all. Let me tell you, it's amazing. I can't even get my mind around what He's gone through for me. Why me? I'm the least of the least. And then when we think about it, we realize, okay, that's why. That's why. Because in that way, in his plan to use the least of the least, the weakest of the weak, to show power, then it's obvious that the strength, that the power, that the salvation is from him. 
and not from the weakest of the weak. See, He's a great and mighty Savior. Verse 13 says, Till we'll all come in the unity of the faith. Now this is the faith that Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of. This is the faith once delivered to the saints by God. Not anything conjured up from the mind of any man. No, it's from God, isn't it? It is from the sovereign God of the universe. Until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man. There's our destination. We're going to be with the perfect man who actually lived the perfect life, and we're going to be perfect woman, perfect man, just like him. All the perfect fulfillment of the perfect design of God. Oh, Jonah knew what he's talking about. Salvation is absolutely and totally of the Lord. Do we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ? Now that's a mouthful. But let's take a peek at it. We're going to be developed into a perfect person by the faith and the knowledge acquired by that faith. Remember, salvation is a saving powerful knowledge from God and this knowledge is a knowledge of the Son of God Jesus Christ and what he's done for us on the cross unto a perfect person we're being developed into that perfect person by him by his strength by his design by his drawing unto the measure of the stature what is the stature of Jesus Christ he's perfect he pleased God the Father He pleased Yahweh, the creator of all things. And he did it for you. And he did it for me. Oh, we're going to be like him, aren't we? We are. God the Father sees you through him as a perfect person already. You see, this new person that you are doesn't sin. Paul said that. Paul said, it's no longer me that sinned, not this new person that the Lord has created that was born again by the Spirit, which Jesus told Nicodemus would have to happen for this spiritual life to exist unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, we're being conformed to that point, the point where he is perfect. You see, we are heirs. Isn't that amazing? That God has adopted us into his family. This powerful God has adopted us into his family. All right. Now turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Let's look at this second letter of Paul to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or 
need we get some other's epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. So this epistle, the gospel of Jesus Christ dwells in us. The Bible declares that we are the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world, but we are to shine our light to the world that exposes or uh, shows Jesus Christ as the only way, the only truth, and the only life. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of heart. God has put His Word in our heart. He has put the Spirit of Himself in our heart. And such trust we have through Christ to Godward. Verse 4. Not that we are sufficient sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves but our sufficiency is of God who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament not of the letter but of the spirit for the letter killeth but the spirit giveth life the law condemns us doesn't it absolutely but praise God Jesus Christ fulfilled the law and represented you when he was doing and God the Father was pleased with what he's done for you and for me. Verse 6, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. You see, this life is shown in us to others, isn't it? It absolutely is. This desire for him, this desire to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if this, but if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses, for the glory of his countenance, we talked about that already, for glory was to be done away. Which glory was to be done away? How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious for the ministration of condemnation be glory for if the ministration of condemnation be glory much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory the ministration of righteousness the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been imputed to you for even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Now, verse 13 says, And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not stand fastly look, to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. 
their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. We have access to Christ now. He is our high priest, you see. We don't need to go to the high priest who is the only one who was allowed to go behind the veil into the holiest of holies where the Ark of Covenant and the Shekinah glory of God dwelled with man. When Jesus died on the cross, that veil was ripped from top to bottom, declaring access for us to him. Even to this day, verse 15, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. There's a veil over the heart of the natural man. And it hides the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice what verse 16, well 15 said, But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, that's kind of like those two words, but God. Nevertheless, when it, what's it? Their heart. That he's talking about in verse 15. Nevertheless, nevertheless, when their heart shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. See, the Bible declares that God gave us a soft heart instead of a stony heart that's against him. And when he does so, the veil is taken away. And we're, and we're able to see his glory. We're able to see all of his glory in salvation and that all the glory is his in salvation. He's a wonderful Savior, isn't he? Wonderful Savior. Ephesians 1.18 says that the eyes of our understanding is enlightened. The pride of man is absent in the true salvation of God, isn't it? Over in Jeremiah chapter 9, and verse 24, it says, Let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. Well, we can glory in that, can't we? Because He has lifted the veil from our hearts. He has lifted the veil from our minds of understanding and has given us this powerful, saving knowledge of Him. Let Him glory. Let Him that glorieth glory in this, that He understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord. And that's Jehovah, that's Yahweh right there. I am the Lord Yahweh, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. What does that mean? He is the creator of all things that exercises loving kindness and judgment and righteousness. Well, what does that mean? Exercise. It puts it into effect, doesn't he? He does it. Again, I say any movement of the body is considered work. Well, that's what the Lord does. He exercises loving kindness by applying it, by giving it to you. 
judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith Yahweh the Lord. Oh, I'll tell you, all glory belongs to Him, doesn't it? And then 1 John chapter 3, we'll close on this verse right here. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. There's that exercise of the loving kindness. He has put it into effect. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We've got an idea, because we're going to be like Him. And more and more, we're knowing every day more and more how he is we know we're going to be like him and it does not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is what a savior I tell you there's no ability in me unless God puts it there there's no spiritual life in me unless God puts it there. But praise His name, He does. He promised to, and all His promises are true.